0: you have an Airbnb? Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Where do the terrorists it from? From the Irish Republic! That's where they come from! Where do the terrorists return to for sanctuary to the Irish Republic and yet Mrs. Thatcher tells us that that Republic must have some say in our province. We say never, never!
2: mine in the Alliance Party, Ian James Parsley, and he's very funny, you know, but he, uh, his theory is, his theory is that, that the DUP are are double agents, you know, that, that, <laughs> that they are, in spite of themselves, you know, acting to ensure progress, you know, so, the 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 gay marriage legislation was passed from Westminster because the DUP were so resolutely opposed to it, wouldn't wouldn't do it through the assembly, and the uh, the Irish Language Act was passed <laughs> in the face of ferocious opposition. Don't feed the crocodiles; they'll only come back for more. Dame Foster said, or is it Baroness Foster? And uh, with the UK Supreme Court decision, what they've said is. That um, the, which is the complete opposite of what they would have wanted. They've said, look, that the protocol, even though it only requires a simple majority of the Assembly in four years' time to decide whether to continue it, doesn't affect the constitutional position. And it's quite open to the UK government to bring in legislation. That only requires a simple majority. So as you know, our assembly in Stormont has always worked. It was set up structurally to work only with cross-community agreement. So the designated nationalist parties and the designated unionist parties on important votes had to vote together to get them through. And so that's led to now, you know, what we see now is that the DUP were just able to walk out and that's the end of it. So... What this has done, the UK Supreme Court has done, it has opened the door to a UK government in the future legislating to say, you know, the the Assembly and Stormont can work like every other
3: parliament in the world, it can work on the basis of a simple majority.
2: So there you are, you see.
3: By taking this action, they've moved the Assembly closer to a simple majority governance which, uh, given the way things have gone in in, in recent elections, is bad news for, for the DUP. DUP and for unionists.
2: Right, I mean, everyone else really. You know, the Ulster Unionist Party, Doug Beatty, is trying his best just to move the dial. But, I mean, don't forget the culture that they've come out of. You know, a culture of supremacy of uh, of always sort of, you know, and. and I don't blame them for this because it's the way the society was set up, but to look down their noses at us and, you know, never, 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 never having to think about strategy, never having to, you know, plot in the long term, just relying on the British government to do the right thing. And with their inbuilt majority in the North, well, look, you know, it's always going to be like this. But of course, you know, as we saw with the Boers in South Africa, you know, with 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 similar sort of colonies around the world. Once the the once the population started to shift, well then Ulster says no. After a while, you know it um it's it starts to sound
3: pathetic. But it's interesting where they're going to move to because, as you know, I have, uh, you know, a deep a deep sympathy for the uh, <laughs> Unionist people. Right. As, so, yeah, as I no, said, no, with no, my. I mean- yeah, I know you do. I know. I know. You don't need to laugh. Uh, I'm the one who gets I'll get the abuse for this anyway, so you can just agree with me. Um but I've always felt uh, I think maybe because my, my, my grandmother is a, a Presbyterian uh who to camp to Tralee. Um I've always felt like a little bit there's a there's a part of me that has and it's sympathy for maybe their their later years, like when they've actually seemed like a kind of uh such a, ha- a kind of a hapless underdog on the island you know they're not able to make their case with with the same they're 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 constipated they're stuck you know they can't they can't articulate what they want perhaps because what they want is so conflicted like brexit is a perfect example of this like brexit if they had been sensible they would have said we want nothing to do with brexit because brexit is going to is going to disrupt the fragile ecosystem that is still working in our favor Anything that changes that is going to be a bad idea. But they couldn't help themselves because of who they were going to be be aligned with in Brexit. And this is why I think if you're listening to this and you're not interested in Northern Ireland or you're not necessarily particularly, you think this is just a DUP, there is a a kind of a case to be made for the DUPification of the world. How what happened in the DUP what happened during brexit is now spreading across the world like you talk about joe biden we saw the state of the union address where you have a republican party which has been dupified like how many creationists are there in the us congress yeah and people who think
2: that you know hillary clinton is in fact an alien and that uh, joe joe biden is is, is actually uh, jim carrey in,
3: in, in makeup, yeah, and and John I mean, and John stri- John 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 Kennedy Junior is going to come back and uh, and save them.
2: Yeah, you see, it's all. Part the
3: of- the, uni- the, the union, the unionists wouldn't go for that one. They don't want John Kennedy. They don't want any yeah. Kennedy coming back to save mm-hmm. the world. You see, cause, like there are striking similarities
2: between unionism uh, and particularly sort of the old style unionism represented in the DUP and the TUV and those sort of things and MAGA. And tele evangelism. I mean, the the great I mean the founder of of the DUP was one of the greatest ever evangelists, you know, who made millions uh, by by setting up his own church, you know, and evangelizing around the world. You know, and you know, creating these myths in Protestant minds, you know, creating fear. And, I mean, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant orator. I mean, no one will ever forget his never, never, never. I mean, when he thundered, he thundered. You know, I met him one time at a, at, at, at a funeral. And, I mean, he was just a huge man with huge shoulders and immediately dominated. I mean, as soon as he came to the door and knocked the door to come into the wake house. <laughs> Whose funeral was at, it? At the, it was my, uh, my uh, ex-wife's father, the great Jack McCann. And, uh, and uh, Jack, was sort of, we, Jack was really gone at that stage. His life was ebbing away and it was a very stormy night and the door knocked Balamina And there all of a sudden I, I answered the door. Everyone was around the bed waiting for his last sort of breath. And there he is, this huge man framed in the doorway. There's a dear friend nearing his end, he said to me. And he just brushed past me up the stairs, you know, and he went to the bedroom. And and his his daughter Peggy Ann swears that Jack briefly opened his eyes and must have thought to himself, "Oh Jesus, I was wrong all along," (laughs) when he saw Paisley (laughs) sort of praying, praying over him with one of these long, you know, but I mean, extremely. And where were they What was their
3: where was their friendship from?
2: Well, you see, Jack was a historian and a raconteur, you know, who had a one man show that he brought to the Lyric Theater, and. Had a wonderful sense of humour and himself and 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 but I'd really know you know but he'd, he 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 uh, he had shared a stage with Ian and uh but the big man was obviously very impressed by him and the fact was when he came into this house full of Catholic people, you know, he he immediately inspired that sort of reaction that just very, very few people do, you know. I mean mm. <laughs> I was thinking about those parallels between unionism and MAGA and tele evangelism, you know, and there was a, a there's a, a tele... I mean for example, one of the one of the people who brought the challenge, the anti protocol challenge to the division the High Court lost, Court of Appeal lost, Supreme Court lost, is Clifford Peoples. Who's an ex-Loyalist paramilitary who's now a pastor? And his nickname is The Pipe <laughs> Only in the North. The Pipe Bomb Pastor. He he's the producer and editor of an anti-Catholic pamphlet called <laughs> Rome Watch. And <laughs> you've got to keep an eye on the Pope. <laughs> Fucking Pope is dangerous. <laughs> and you know, when I was looking when I was looking through it, you know, I I, I couldn't help but think of the great American evangelist. Kenneth Copeland, who who at the start of the at the start of the COVID pandemic, he held a live TV event where he drove COVID out of America.
1: We'll exercise judgment right now because we in have... the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus, standing in the office of the Prophet of God. I execute judgment on you, COVID-19. Oh, I execute judgment on you, oh. Satan. You destroyer. You killer, You get out. You break your power. You get off this nation. I demand judgment on you. I demand. I demand. I demand a vaccination to come immediately. Yes. I call you done. I call you gone. you come down from your place of authority destroyer, you come down and you crawl on your belly like God commanded you when he put his foot on your head in the garden of Eden. You will destroy through COVID-19. No more. No more. No more. It no more. Is finished. finished. It is over, and the United States of America is healed Thank you, Jesus. and well Thank you, again. Praise saith the mighty. Hallelujah. Spirit, glory, glory, peace. Who is also the Prince of War, the Lord Jesus Christ. When oppressive, mean, nasty people attack his people. When mean, oppressive, nasty diseases attack his people, George, the Prince of Peace takes his place. And he becomes the mighty man
2: of war. You know, fair enough, it didn't work out. It know, came back. For for, for, for you know, the million Americans who went on to die from it. <laughs> but <laughs> but the point was this, that... It was It wasn't that, wholly successful. Yeah, but the point was this, that it's that separation between... And this is the important thing about these movements that are sweeping the world. We see it with the refugee situation in Ireland, you know, with the rise of that lunatic sort of right-wing brigade in America, with Brexit... With what's happening to the English politics, is that the aim of these dark forces, funded by dark money, is to destabilize democracy. And the the the, the important first step in doing that is to challenge facts, to 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 turn facts on their head and describe them as lies and conspiracy theories and hoaxes. Because people have a very short attention span. Studies have shown the majority of people lose concentration after reading two hundred words in an article, and so after that, if you can give them a strong message, you know the Brexit messages, you know the Donald Trump messages, Orbán
3: and Hungary, Putin, mm. you know, and now these Ireland, really Ireland, is, Ireland, Ireland is full. It's uh, three word messages. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. I was going to say one of the first things Trump did was to become a devout
2: <laughs> evangelical Christian. You know, may have enjoyed prostitutes. Hey, far 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 be it for me to criticize the guy. <laughs> may have may have slept with with porn stars. You know, again, that's not my business. But he understood it as a crucial part in the war against reality and also controlling people. So Trump's pastor was is Jesse Duplantis, right? And Jesse was the guy who famously said to his flock, <laughs> he said, God visited me in a dream, brother. And everyone gasps that God has visited him the previous night. And he told me that I need a Dassault Falcon 7X jet. He told me that if Jesus was physically on earth today, he would not be riding a donkey. Again, they gasp and they cheer. And I said, OK, Lord, but how am I going to pay for it? And he said, Jesse... I didn't ask you to pay for it. I just asked you to believe in it. Needless to say, his hard-working congregation stumped up the $54 million for it. And so, you know, that that evangelical component's very, very strong in right-wing Ulster. Very, very strong in it. And so, if if you're saying, well, look, this is what God wants, it doesn't matter about facts, it doesn't matter about COVID, it doesn't matter about... Climate change, all the things that the DUP have attacked. And and all the th- the things where they're naturally comfortable. This is why they're very useful to the European Research Group in England. People like Ben Habib, the ex MEP, very, very fervent Brexiteer, multimillionaire businessman, he's knocking around the North now. He was one of the people who was named in the UK Supreme Court case against the protocol. You
3: know, why is why is he knocking around the north?
2: What interesting. Well, you
3: are- you go back to you go back to the amount of money that the DUP took in in funding uh, during the Brexit campaign, which I think was 000, seven, seven, six or seven times the their, their, the amount of campaign funding they had for the twenty fifteen election. They had this huge amount of money that came from donors that they initially refused to to name. And then the, it was spent on ads outside Northern Ireland, so there was this, as you say, this connection, uh, and the connection between a DUP and what is you know the ERG and and uh, you know our, you know Leave EU and all those people, and then the leap from them to uh, MAGA isn't it is, isn't a, a, a big leap at all. So you can actually. As a as a DUP person now, you can feel that you're part. You're not just uh, in your little sort of bigoted uh, little hovel anymore. You're part of a a, ne- a network of bigots. Yeah, <laughs> They're well, everywhere. Well, your well, well, your bigotry can take you around the world. Well, that's right. You see, and then and then you know,
2: successive British governments have clothed it with respectability. You know, they've made these they've made these people who. You, know, you would consider if you were looking at it, say, Look, like, this this guy's laughable, you know? I mean, uh, they've made these people lords and baronesses. I mean, some of the people, like, I mean, for example, Morris Mills, you know, was a very well known DUP man. And he, uh, after Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans, he said that that was God's punishment against the New Orleans gay community. You know, he said that this was. The result of the, the disgusting the disgusting practice of sodomy. Harking back to Ian Paisley's campaign, which he started in the seventies called <laughs> young people would hardly believe this. It was a very big campaign called Save Ulster from Sodomy. <laughs> and and the, <laughs> <laughs> and homosexuals were all sodomites but, but they, I mean, they used to march the streets they, they, that's not a joke they used to march the streets and their thousands of all star from sodomy the sodomites you see and you know whenever Morris Wills was asked to apologise for these horrendous remarks about all these people who died you know and this was the punishment of God he said if I have to apologise then God will have to apologise too because this is the word of God and if it's the word of God it doesn't brook argument Now, the point was, Morris was made an MBE by Her Majesty the Queen in the New Year's Honours List, and there's a whole parade of them. I mean, uh, uh, Ken McGuinness was the leader of the Ulster Unionist Party. He said on the radio that homosexuality was a step on the road to legalising sex with animals. He was then subsequently, he was made a lord, (laughs) Lord McGuinness. Uh, this is not a joke. He was then suspended from the House uh, of Lords. Fu- it's funny, though. It's yeah, but funny. he was. But the point was this: that once that that gives it a veneer of respectability. Lord McGuinness was suspended for eighteen months from the House of Lords for homophobic bullying. He called a security guard uh, of Indian extraction. He called him a queer, and uh, uh, and then and then he he he, he, he loudly said. That uh, he actually sent a letter to the to the to other parliamentarians uh, headed discrimination by homos. <laughs> Look, and, and and he said then he said there in the house, you know, that he, that he was not going to be bullied by queers, and. You know, this is this is all very typical. Ian Paisley Junior. You know, I, I'm disgusted by by gays. You know, um, uh, 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 and 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 Arlene Foster's resolute stand against gay marriage, all those sorts of things. But it suits them perfectly for for that sort of hook up with the right wing of the English Tory Party. And also, it's 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 clear. We watch. We look. What? Let me give you one example in England. Right. So England has been totally destabilized by Brexit. Quite clearly, deliberate. The politics has been completely destabilized. Uh, sensible voices, factual voices, they're all drowned out. All those old style, decent conservatives, they've been marginalized. You've got pathological liars like Boris Johnson, who's a perfect vessel for all of this. You've got like disaster capitalism now. Basically, what's been happening in England is they've been selling off, they've been handing out taxpayers' money in its billions to Tory donors to set up companies to spend that money, and it doesn't matter whether it's of any good or not. For example, there's a company called Ianda Capital that was set up during the pandemic by a Tory donor, and uh, it was set up to provide face masks. Now, I had no experience. It's a, it's a hedge fund based in a, in a tax haven, one of the British tax havens. They got a £280 million contract to provide face masks and they did that. All got very 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 enriched. There are some very interesting investigative journalism stories about that. The face masks were unusable and now a major Tory donor <laughs> is being paid four million pounds a day to dispose of them. Now there's that. There's That's a classic example of disaster and we see with the DUP for example theirs is, theirs is a more modest thing but their reward their reward for all of this chaos is they're made sirs, Sir Geoffrey Donaldson, you know,
3: lords. But there is also, there is also that link because, because you, you know, the UK Tory party, you're, you know, know, obviously it has evolved into this kind of monster, but there is still that, you know, Boris Johnson personifies it more than, you know, there, there is still isn't that, that evangelical, that Christian element. There might be a few, uh, people like that but it isn't really it's more it's more driven by cynicism of boris johnson whereas the american element which is like you know you look at what's happening at roe versus wade you look at these things the supreme court being you know transformed into a right-wing court that is that is where as well like that sense of the dupification of the world is actually playing out too because it's, a, it's an interesting question. Which is more dangerous to people who believe that stuff or the people like Boris Johnson or Donald Trump who cynically exploit it? You should see before I forget. Have you ever seen the interview where Donald Trump is asked about the Bible? And uh, he's, have you seen that where he's what is, asked, he's asked Does what he his favorite th- passage was? <laughs> does he prefer the old? Does he prefer the Old Testament or the New Testament? You mentioned
1: the Bible. You've been talking about how it's your favorite book, and you said I think last night in Iowa, some people are surprised that you say that. I'm wondering what one or two of your most favored Bible uh, verses are. Well, and why. I, I wouldn't want to get into it because to me that's very personal. You know, when I talk about the Bible, it's very personal. So I don't want to get into there's verses. No, I don't no want verse, to get into. It. There's no, no I, verse I, that means I a lot just, to you that you think about or cite. The, the Bible means a lot to me, but I don't want to get into specifics. Even to cite a verse that no, you like? No, I don't want to do that. I mean, an Old okay. Testament guy or New Testament guy? Uh, Probably equal. I think it's just an incredible... The whole Bible is an incredible... I joke uh, very much so. They always hold up the art of the deal. I say my second favourite book of all time. but
2: uh,
3: About equal.
2: <laughs> the problem with Trump was that he's a moron. But if he'd been a Putin, if he'd been very bright, if he'd been politically adept, if he had known how to, if he had known how to keep friends... And and, and and to create an inner circle and not to impact too much on you know not not to do the things that were so outrageous that, that that alienated so many people, then America could well be in the way to an autocracy, you know a a really ruthless, good, clever politician who's able to bring all this together because what they've very successfully done at the moment is they've they've taken over the organs of state, the Supreme Court has clearly been bought you know it's been infiltrated by right-wing republicans now who are there as puppets for the dark forces that got them there in the first place I mean it's a very well documented situation so once you start to take over the the structures of the state that's why for example right-wing MAGA constantly attacks the FBI constantly attacks the security services you know And then, of course, all appointees essentially in America are political. So the the situation there is ripe to be taken advantage of. Again, with Brexit, if you had had someone bright coming in, now Brexit itself, of course, was a disaster. I think the purpose was to offshore Britain and make sure that the rich got richer and all of those things, keep regulations at bay. But if you had a very shrewd politician, not a moron like Boris, then they could have been much further down the road in the UK if they'd been smart in their dealings with the north you know if 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 they'd been able to bring people with them if they hadn't been so grotesquely obvious about what they were trying to do then then we could be in a very different situation what you're seeing now at the moment is there's a huge backlash to brexit because people can see everybody can see they've gone too far so you're now at the what the fuck stage mm.
3: and also the corruption that's come with it which is extraordinary like it is amazing because britain used to be the kind of country where ministers used to resign if they'd forgotten to pay a parking ticket like it used to be obscene and we used to we used to look at it in ireland and go like what what's what's wrong with these people they're, they're they've they've <laughs> like nobody resigns for anything over here yeah. like, and it's it sort of Charlie like we ju- well, now it's flipped. Like we're getting upset about like how much you know election posters did a minister put up, and I'm like, was this five hundred quid of undeclared expenses? We're the country of thanks a million, big fella, and we're reduced to arguing about election posters. Meanwhile, Boris Johnson is getting eight hundred thousand pound credit lines from you know bankers while he's prime minister to- because he's massively in debt, and it's extraordinary how quickly. A country can accelerate down a road when people are are. I don't, you know, this is the thing when people are kind of distracted and and made to believe that there is, there is another, there's another reason for the way things are the way they are, whether it's the EU or whatever it is, and then that they take their eye off what is actually going on.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, with 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 Britain, you had sort of from two thousand and twelve austerity imposed on people. So after sort of five or six years of that, there's tremendous discontent. Food banks are flourishing. The conditions are ripe now for a a takeover of facts, you know, to to demolish facts, to, to do something like Brexit and to lie to people constantly with simple messages. Look, there's this country is going to be transformed you know look these the europeans the goddamn germans are trying to conquer us essentially this is an invisible takeover of our country and are we going to let those fucking crowds do this to us and these simple messages so for example you know millions and millions of british people living in poverty voted against their self-interest for brexit and now we see how horrendous those consequences are, and people are starting to see this wholesale takeover of everything that's worth anything in 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 British society by huge corporations. You know, the gas cap is four times the size of the gas cap in Europe. You know, electricity bills are through the roof. People feel entirely powerless. You know, as this as this process accelerates. And the feeling now, it's very difficult to resist the feeling that the Tories know their numbers up at the next election. So this is a fire sale. They're selling everything they can sell now while the going is good. And, you know, the the, the, the big thing that got them through Brexit was that they had all the media on board. You had the four big tax exiled non-doms who owned the main newspapers. You know, they had successfully infiltrated the BBC, <laughs> like the BBC chairman these days is just a puppet of the Tory party. So you're not going to get any criticism, no serious investigative journalism. You know, and we see the importance of that in society. But now, because they've gone too far, because they've gone too far and the situation has become so desperate for them. And I see this week that they've overtaken Ireland for the first time ever in the corrupt countries register. <laughs> fuck <laughs> they've, them. They've fuck lea- them. They've leapfrogged us. To they've taken that from place. us too. Uh, yeah, fuck them, that's right. If, Jesus, Charlie Hockey must be turned into this grave.
3: He must be turned those Chavez shirts. Was, was, was it for this? For fuck's sake. Um, but I was just thinking there, Joe, it must be uh, nice for you to be able to come on air somewhere and talk about the DUP and homophobia and not get uh, pulled off the air. <laughs>
2: well, that's right. And I mean, that that's, you know, it's, I suppose it's an example of the safety first broadcast. And, you know, we see how reluctant RTR to tackle serious investigative, uh, you know, sort of, in affairs of great interest to society. And you you talk about the election posters. I'm glad to see that sort of thing happening. You know, whatever the actual truth of it is, what it shows you is that we have a number of independent outlets now, like on the ditch, etc., who are who are going after this. Because otherwise you see, what happens is that the, the state the, the politicians ultimately because what's happening all the time is that big corporations are lapping at the door. PR companies, you know, lobbyists. Shady dealing, favors being done, you know, and that's what is that's what is destroying American politics, which has probably destroyed it now, left it one of the most unequal countries on earth. It's destroying England because lobbying and, and jobs for the boys and passing out contracts has become the norm there. At least 50 billion was wasted. 50 billion was wasted during the pandemic. On on friendly donors on companies that were set up to take advantage of the disaster, where the where the material provided turned out to be useless, you know, and uh, and so, in the north, we're in a different situation now, because it's never been about supremacy for the majority of people in the north. It's never been about supremacy for the the, the nationalist people, the Catholics. We've got that middle ground now very strongly represented by the Alliance Party. Where, where really what we're trying to do in the North now is just to get moving politically. It doesn't, you know, I, I don't feel, I, I'm not discriminated against in the North. My children aren't discriminated against the North. There's none of those conditions exist any longer. But I think what people are saying now, they're hankering for, let's get some politics done. And then you go on, you know, you turn on the telly and there's, <laughs> there's Baroness Foster, you know, on GB News with the ghastly, the truly ghastly Nigel Farage wearing <laughs> wearing a shirt emblazoned with the words never, never, never. And then when she's pulled up on it, she says, Oh, that, that was a homage. That was a homage to James Bond. I can't remember a James Bond film, film called Never, Never, Never. The only thing <laughs> Doctor I can think never. of Dr. No. <laughs> but you know, never, the, never this again. is how this is how. This is this is how blatant it is, and why it can't survive in a society like the North, which is very well educated. You know, um, there there's a very strong sense of community there. People are sort of clinging to the wreckage of the DUP, but its its numbers are dwindling and dwindling. And the big test, the big test over the next five to ten years will be how Doug Beattie goes, because he's got a good team around him. He's trying to weed out the bigots. He's doing his best there. And as that as that changes, then we move towards a more sensible politics. Because the truth is, that sectarianism is pathetic, you know. And as soon as we start to work together, then very quickly it will dissipate. Because that's what human beings are like. As soon as you meet people, as soon as you get to know them, you know. And what the DUP has been attempting to do is to keep them segregated. I mean, the founder, Dr. Ian Paisley, he banned. He famously banned his people from mingling with Sinn Féin or the SDLP now obviously it, did, it didn't apply to Dr. Ian but I mean I can remember Leslie Cubitt uh, a very firebrand um, unionist councillor in Limavady Council when my mother was the mayor you know to their absolute horror you know a Sinn Féin mayor of Limavady <laughs> and she, went, she went out to the Largi as the, one, of, one of her duties Largie would be very loyalist she went out and lit the Christmas tree lights and so affronted were they in the larder that she'd lit the Christmas tree lights that they promptly burned the Christmas tree down. She was no sooner in the in the in the minute in, the, in the, the the mayoral the mayoral car than the tree was burnt down. But but Leslie Leslie became so friendly with my father and mother through just personal contact with him at Lamavary Council that he used to sneak up he used to sneak up to our house at Christmas with one of his prize hams, and spend two or three hours there enjoying the crack he used to say, you know, God, he said, if Doctor Paisley knew I was here, <laughs> that'd be the end of me, you know. And so, so uh, as as we as we get more and more used to each other, and 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 uh, and, and as the the the, the Ulster Unionists advance and all of that, you know, the the ridiculousness of the DUP's position will become clear. Younger people, you can see from the the latest polls, are deserting them in droves. I mean. What young, what young person would be able to identify with that stuff? You
3: know, burning down the Christmas tree is the perfect metaphor for it, isn't it? You know, burn it down, burn it all down. Nobody benefits, but at least there's no fucking Christmas tree there.
2: Yeah, it's that sort of their inclination
3: is towards chaos.
2: They sort it. It's 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 like an emotion of triumphalism. You know, it's like a fuck them, fuck those Fenians. You know, and I mean, we see this with like they've they've they, they they've got they've now formulated seven tests they formulated these some time ago the dup they love these lists you know five tests seven tests but i mean anyway, seven tests for a return to the assembly i call them the seven excuses for not serving under a fenian and i predicted as soon as as soon as the european union and the uk government Came to the agreements about uh, trade and the Green Channel and the Red Channel into the North, all the things that the that the DUP wanted, that they would find an eighth excuse not to serve under a Fenian, and already, already, as soon as the word came out, oh, there's a deal in the offing. Ian Paisley Junior said, oh well, I mean, the the red line for us is that the European Court of Justice can have no can have no part in the affairs of Northern Ireland. Now, how is that going to work when we're still in the European community, essentially? But so that's the new excuse. So we're going to see this limping along, limping along, limping along. Will the Labour government come in and have the balls to legislate to say, look, in future, it's going to be a simple majority in the Assembly. If a party doesn't want to go, like any other party, they don't have to go. I mean, they can't be forced to go there. But if they don't want to go, they don't want to participate, well, the parties who are there We'll, we'll we'll work it out and, and we'll decide uh, all important issues on a simple majority and that's that, but, and that's what thing- that's what will happen
0: Go to bombas.com slash acast and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
3: Yeah, and the thing I I feel again to loop back to my natural sympathy to unionism is that the the big one of the terrible things about the DUP is it makes it so easy for people to lampoon and just disregard any kind of unionist feeling or any kind of Protestant feeling, because there's this high-profile bunch of, as you say, chaos makers, uh, to, like arsonists, calling the shots, and it allows in in the rest of Ireland, and and you know we see it in we see it in you know in the after the 2017 election when suddenly the rest of uh, of you know, in, in, in Britain, they become aware of the DUP and there are these people, stories are appearing who are the DUP and it's like, you know, the DUP are uh, against gay marriage, against, you know, blah, 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 this socially conservative, everything. And people are like, what? These people exist? These people actually exist and now have the balance of power. And But what they do is that those people who do feel, and you're right, people are moving away from them, but those people who feel... Slightly isolated and slightly like they need a voice to actually articulate a kind of liberal unionism are are totally uh just disregarded and they're 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 squandering the 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 the, the um those people's those people's voices are just being aren't being listened to because of this d u p kind of clown show see that's my I defense think, of unionism think, joe
2: yeah but uh, you know I th- I th- I don't disagree with that but the root cause of all of this was essentially planted by you know the the resettlement of the north and then the the fact that come 1921 we were we were cast adrift it was always going to come to this because it was necessarily set up with a supremacist I mean the whole the whole backdrop to it was that one one part of the community would reign supreme, you know, a Protestant parliament for a Protestant people, all those things. And so the root cause, the root problem is supremacy. The feeling that, and this is this is the big problem with MAGA, you know, the problem, but also the advantage that the people behind the scenes are taking of it. The same in England, the same, the same in Ireland now, the refugees. This idea, which is Emotionally compelling for people, especially people who are prepared to do the bit of reading, to do the bit of thinking, all those sort. Which is, you know, which is a lot of people. Supremacy is an easy thing to take hold because the idea is these ones are lesser than us. Whether they're gay, transgender, you poke fun at them, you bully them, you know, refugees, black people people coming in from Afghanistan or Syria, they're lesser than us, you know, and we see this in Ireland at the moment, we're fucking Irish, it's our fucking country, fuck off you black bastards you know, and there's a certain emotional thrill that they get from that as well you know, then it's egged on and what you do is you, you, put, sophisticated, you put a slightly more sophisticated sheen on it, you have your GB news, you know, the next thing that's going to happen in Ireland is that there'll be some sort of independent news channel that'll start into that slowly but surely, it'll happen. It'll be funded from the outside. You put a, you sort of, a really good example of that, of sort of clothing it with respectability, was this challenge to the protocol, which was a ridiculous challenge. The whole point of the challenge was that this affects Northern Ireland's constitutional position. Which it doesn't. I mean that's just a nonsense. Northern Ireland's constitutional position can only be changed by a border poll. All right. So what they decide to do is right, we're going to bring a challenge to the divisional court. Doesn't matter, this is all going to cost us up to a million pounds to do it. But there's plenty of money flooding in from wherever. Let's not let's not sort of ask where that's coming from. I don't know where it's coming from, but there's a lot of money coming in for these challenges because they're extremely costly. So We'll have the we'll have the challenge. That'll give us a PR opportunity outside to give a press conference, to, to clothe all of this with respectability. Say, look, yeah, we're on the right side here. You know, we did tell you so. Then the High Court rejects it. The High Court's part of the Pan Nationalist Front. There's fucking Fenians all over it. They went after one of our most eminent judges, Mr. Justice Adrian Colton. They they had photographs of him wearing his Tyrone jersey from the old days, you know. This is one of the cleverest guys I've ever met. I mean, this guy is the top of the tree intellectually, a tremendous fella. Right? So they go after him. Say, fucking pan-nationalist front, Queen's University of Belfast. It's full of Fenians, right? They're spreading the scare Look, so you know, the fucking police, the police are now Sinn Féin supporters. This is what they've done. So over a period of time, you subvert reality by just this constant propaganda. This is the pan-nationalist front. So now the High Court's decision goes against you. You present it as a victory, but you say, look, you know, come on, what do, you, what do you expect from a member of the Pan-Nationalist Front? You go to the Court of Appeal, you lose there. It's all very complicated language, so you say, we are delighted that the Court of Appeal has vindicated our position. You know, we, we've heard them saying it, Jim Alistair on the TV. <laughs> I'm a lawyer, so I read the judges and like, what the fuck? You know, but that's not the point. Who's going to sit down like the the, the, the the Supreme Court judgment is like 150 paragraphs and you have to really get to paragraphs 107, 108 before you get to the meat of it. They come out of the UK Supreme Court <laughs> and they make a most bewildering statement where if you didn't know what had happened in there, you'd think they had won. Once again, we have been vindicated in relation to the union busting protocol, etc., cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But now what you've done by this whole venture to the Supreme Court, is clothe it with respectability. We have a serious argument and we're to be taken seriously in relation to this. You see the point I'm making? So you clothe mm-hmm. it with respectability if you don't have a TV channel, if you don't have the media behind you. you know. I mean, in, in Belfast now, we've got a very propagandistic organ called the Newsletter, which will just spew out everything that's coming from, from, from that sort of dark side of loyalism in the DUP. And, and that's enough because
3: people want to believe it, they believe it. Yeah, well, that's the problem. And that is the problem with all these movements that you can talk and you can talk in Ireland and you can show the economic facts that say, for example, that immigration economically improves a country, that they bring so much to the country economically, culturally, in every way. You can produce all these facts as you can produce facts around Brexit but how you counter those emotive so often three word slogans is is hard to know because you say it's it's so it's it's there now for people it's accessible for people they don't need to read up they just they they look at a twitter thread or they look at they look at a video and the, and that's it so how you counter that is the challenge of the age and it's why the dup maybe were the the uh, forerunners of so much that we have in the world. Good education,
2: good education, you know, and rigorous
3: sort of, you know, uh, monitoring
2: of the education system, you know, to make sure that everyone's getting good opportunities, you know, to make sure that our our education systems are flourishing and that they're very well funded. I mean, another, another aspect of what's been happening in America, what's been happening in England, is the chronic underfunding of public schools so that what happens is that the elite children go to the elite private schools so that we've seen how um, I think 12 of the UK prime ministers were eaten in Oxford, Harrow. Uh, And now increasingly it's been entirely dominated by people who come out from Eton or Oxford, go to Goldman Sachs, go straight into a safe seat. And then they're just part of that cartel. It's basically, it's like, it's like, it's like a company to them. They're just, how much money can we make from this? How can I feather my nest when I leave politics? How much will I be able to make from all of this? Boris is already making, I think, four million since 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 he resigned in disgrace as the prime minister. Um, you know, and 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 that's why education is a absolutely vital linchpin in our society. And 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 you know, it's good it's good to see that Ireland is is doing well in that regard because that is the most important bulwark against most of this nonsense. I mean, look, whenever you get someone like Arlene Foster, who would actually be very well liked in, you know, sort of hardline unionist circles, and can carry herself when she wants to, you know, when she's not being disdainful and making fun and contemptuous, you know, and in with that cabal. Arlene can carry herself well. But I mean, whatever Arlene says on, on RTE, if there's a united Ireland, I will move to Norfolk. But you imagine how frightening that is for, for people living in the Shankill, for for people living in... <laughs> I thought you were, going to, say, I thought you were people going to say for people living in Norfolk. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you imagine how frightening that is for them. They think, oh, my God, Arlene, I mean, what the hell is going to happen? I mean, the, the one of the things that that sort of unionist cabal, the, the hard sort of right cabal has been doing is saying, for example, that Leo Varadkar has been threatening war on the North. <laughs> like Leo, Leo you know, now I will say this every cloud has a silver lining Arlene threatened to move to Norfolk and uh, that will be a source of comfort to Norfolk's flourishing gay community um, I, I, I actually I, I checked this at the time and the Gay Norfolk website lists the best hotels in Norwich for gay travellers Kingsland Gay Bar Guide Gay Norwich Bars, Clubs, Hotels. Great Yarmouth. I'm just looking at them here. Gay Bars Guide. So, you know, it won't take her long to find her feet there. Um, You know, I mean... (laughs) 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 I think some of them believe this stuff. It's hard to it's hard to imagine it's hard to imagine that all of them do. I mean, but 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 because they resolutely keep you on the outside, it's awful hard to get to know them. Like it's they're really really defensive. I mean, I met uh, I met the the then DUP um, finance minister uh, uh, on St Patrick's Day at the White House, and obviously because of the the glamorous brunette, you know, we were in that sort of VIP circle, you know, going for lunch and all that. And I I went across to him. Specifically to shake hands with him. and I mean, you would have thought I had an infectious disease. I mean, he shrank away from me, and I said, "Oh, you know, would you like to come and and meet uh, meet meet uh, the president?" And it was like, "Oh, f- get me out of here, you know." So it's very difficult to 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 have any to have any serious relationship with them because of the way that they keep you off them. You know,
3: you mean you mean they, like they, they the don't UP want that, they don't want that.
2: Yeah, they don't want that contact. They don't want to develop. You see, I
3: always thought I, like, I remember, like, I always felt like Arlene. I, because of her, her childhood and everything and what happened, I always had like have a bit of sympathy for her, and I feel there was there was an there was okay, there was an attempt. There was a part of her that wanted to kind of embrace, as you said there earlier. She wanted to kind of be the stateswoman. She wanted to do it, but she kept getting pulled back ah, by she, no, her own, by other instincts. She's she a bad article. She's a bad article. Like. You're you're not giving me you're not giving, no, I'm not, giving that I'm not, at all I'm not, I,
2: Because it's the contempt and disdain that she has for others, you
3: know, the, that, mm. that, that that supremacist instinct. And you know, look, but see look, I think has got so, worse like, and worse. And like, like she's she's now gone into the G B news kind of network and it's you're you're finished then. You know what I mean? You're finished then. I think there was maybe when she was, uh, you know, I thought even when she showed up at McGuinness's funeral, things like that, that there's some attempt to actually um, show that, you know, you can, because it doesn't, it doesn't take much. It just, as he's like, it doesn't take much to actually, uh, it is just a kind of bit of generosity and a bit of a lack of the scorn that's all it takes to kind of actually make some, some movement on that. The,
2: the, I mean, obviously it was a horrific, you know, the attack on her father and, uh, the things that, that she witnessed as a young girl and all of that. But, you know, join the queue. That's the North. That's a country coming out of troubles. Like we've, we've all been there. Like, you know, we've all suffered. We've all had, had, had horrific experiences. Uh, join the coup you know it doesn't mean that you can treat people like shit and act as shit towards them and talk down to them and triumphalize over them and be supremacist you know and one sure thing that's happening one sure thing that is happening which is going to be the the best guarantee for northern society is that there'll be none of that shown from the other side that idea of supremacy it's not on the cards it's not on the cards you know um you know what is on the cards is, 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 is a society where we, 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 we work together. But we can't work together if, if you've got a group in there who are just resolutely holding you out. And, uh, and instead, they have put themselves behind a wall and that wall is, we will say no to everything. They've never once, check the records, they've never once said yes to anything. Okay, So we will say no to everything gay rights, Irish language, voting rights, all the things that had to be fought for, all the things that were ultimately imposed by UK governments, by Parliament. You know, And the real hope for the North is simply in the younger generation coming through who are replacing that. And we see already in the numbers game which is very important in the north. Given that, the numbers game is very important that all that all that is going to be reversed. I mean, look, what's going to happen in the north now is inevitable. There was an opportunity for a Northern Ireland society flourishing freestanding inside Europe with the best of both worlds, you know. I think all that's been squandered and people are now I think pretty well adjusted in their minds to the fact that sooner or later there's going to be a united Ireland because nothing else makes sense and it's what the overwhelming majority are going to want.
3: And I think you've actually hit on why there's probably such a uh, strong relationship between the Brexiteers and the DUP there as well, because that idea of saying no to everything, there is that kind of almost pathological thing within Brexiteers as well, where they're so conditioned to expect to not... to to not get what they want, that when they're getting it, they actually immediately are looking for who's going to betray them here. Who's going to, who's going to, how is this, this is in some way, this isn't the pure version of what we need. There is some, somebody here who is a double agent, like Richie Sunak being a great example. They turned on Richie Sunak because they felt even though he was a Brexit here, there was something in him. That maybe 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 it was his brown skin. Who knows? Maybe it was the fact that he was a numbers guy and he could he could count, but there was something in it they felt this guy is going to betray us somehow. And that line about Eurosceptics, which was said 30 years ago, and it's true of them today, and it's probably true of the DUP, that they can't take yes for an answer. And it's it's the same it's the same with all of them. If you give them what if the, what they want is so fantastical in some ways that when it when it comes into contact with reality, they are just suspicious of I, it. I think that's right. Also, it's you see that whenever
2: um, ideas are irrelevant and debate is irrelevant, you know, whenever your position is just set, as is you know the right wing of the Tory Party and the DUP, well, you don't welcome ideas. You know, you don't welcome logical debate that deconstructs those ideas and suggests a better one. You know, and you necessarily have to be suspicious of those. You know, and also I think that once you're completely on the make, the way the DUP is, for example, and the way the English Tory party is now, then you also start to suspect that everybody else is on the make. You know, it's difficult to, I mean, you, <laughs> a very good example of that is the, uh, was, was Joe Biden's State of the Nation address. Joe, Joe's a dealmaker, I mean, like him or hate him, he's a, he, he's a deal maker and uh, a sensible guy and you know works works with sensible people and appoints sensible people and works on the on rational ideas so you can explore those you know is it good is it bad do the numbers stack up as a you say but but whenever you're just faced with liar you know where's hunter's laptop you know um you 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 go into you go into sort of the the venerable sort of house at the congress and and you're 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 making a live televised address to the whole of America and to Congress, and uh, and you're being subjected to catcalling, you know, by people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who who are now who are now starting to become very important people, in in the Republican Party. Well, you see that the battle for ideas is irrelevant, to the Republican Party. What's important in the Republican Party? is to keep their base under control with simple emotional ideas and in the event that they get into power, they will rape the country in their own interests. They will do what they've always done, did what Trump did, you know, they will dramatically reduce taxes, they will cut public services to the bone, poverty will increase, the rich will get richer And, and all the while you'll have a media that pumps the message out that America is the greatest country in the world and um Unfortunately, we're seeing the attempts now, I know it's very, very small, but in Ireland we're seeing these efforts through, there's clearly money funding, uh, what's going on, you know, the, the, the campaign against refugees, that's your starting point. You know, they're overwhelming us. They're coming across our borders now. The next thing you'll hear people saying, build a wall, build a wall. <laughs> build, build, a, build, a, build a wall. We should and have a wall. We, we have a border there. We've got all the border. I say they should be fucking taken out in water cannon. Fucking every time they, every time they have a protest, water cannon the bastards. And uh, and and, and, uh, and see then, see how much they enjoy it then. Because I think it's, it's, it's a sort of a simple sort of anarch- no, anarchic anarchic feeling you know and also that supremacist feeling that we're better than these people
3: and uh, i don't think any country is has been more in need of um immigration and multiculturalism than ireland like it is it's just obvious everywhere you look the benefits of of multiculturalism and and immigration people, and people, it's uh,
2: there's a bottom line on it you know people are only people. Their colours are relevant. Their sexualities are relevant. You know, what's important is, is that human beings flourish. That's, the, that's really, in the end of the day, the only important thing that human beings flourish. Whatever colour they are, whatever their language is, you know, the more we engage with each other, the more we're empathetic with each other, the better our society becomes. It's just a simple thing. It's a simple, simple thing. And I think that often we get dragged into much more complicated arguments about what the far right is doing than they actually merit. You know, I mean, you know, it's cuntish behavior of the highest fucking order, you know, and it's not acceptable in the civilized society, and it's the opposite of the human condition. And all it does is beget hatred. So hatred begets hatred, violence
3: begets violence, all those things. Let's wrap it up on its cuntish behavior. I think that's... Uh It's a good place to end it.
1: The trustees have a few suggestions they would like to submit to you. I think you know what the trustees can do with their suggestions. I don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. Your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is, I'm against it. And even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. On general principles, I'm opposed to it.